I have up here some butterflies. Uh, these butterflies happen to be painted lady butterflies, which are the most common butterflies on the face of the earth. They're on almost every continent, and these guys are long migrators. I mean, they can fly up to 100 miles in a day. And painted ladies are one of the fastest butterflies in the butterfly kingdom. They can reach speeds of up to 30 miles per hour. So they're pretty fast. And I was just thinking, you know, they're male and female butterflies in here, but they're all painted ladies. I kind of feel sorry for the guys that they're called painted ladies too. But, but, but they are beautiful, aren't they? Now, a painted lady larva will spin a chrysalis made of silk. Now, you know that butterflies don't make cocoons. You guys knew that, didn't you? Butterflies uh, make a chrysalis. It's moths that make cocoons. So a butterfly will, or the larva, will spin a chrysalis, and then it's amazing to think of what they call the metamorphosis that takes place. This transformation where it's this ugly caterpillar stuck on a leaf, and then it becomes this beautiful butterfly that can soar as high as the jet stream. And what a transformation. You know, I heard the story of a little boy who saw a chrysalis on a tree branch and he came over to take a closer look. He noticed it was moving. And then when he got right next to it, he saw there was a butterfly trying to break free. There was a butterfly struggling to get out and as he watched that butterfly struggle to break free from the chrysalis, he felt sorry for the butterfly and its struggles, so he wanted to help it out, and he took out a pocket knife, cut open the chrysalis, and he pulled the butterfly out of it and held it in his hand, and he was so excited, he just waited to see the butterfly fly off, but the butterfly just sat there motionless, and then within minutes it was dead. You see, it needed the struggle to strengthen its wings. It needed the struggle in order to be able to soar. Don't worry, that one didn't die. And we need the struggle to be able to soar in life. Without adversity, we could never reach our destiny. There was a, a famous study done by Dr. Victor Gertzel, in which he studied people with exceptional gifts and outstanding achievements. And he was trying to find out what produced such greatness. What was the common thread, if any, that ran through the lives of all these outstanding people? And surprisingly, they found the most common thing that tied them all together was virtually all of them had faced incredible obstacles in their lives and overcome them. We look at our problems and our pain and our hardships and our trials and our stress and our struggles, and we think those are the very things that are keeping us stuck, that are holding us back. Turns out it's just the opposite. Our adversities give us the opportunity to really go to new levels. In fact, we have to have struggles in order to be able to soar in life. You know, we have to have the stresses, the struggles, the hardship, the pain in order to find our purpose. That's why we're starting this new series this weekend called The Advantage of Adversity. And I want you to open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians because here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we see that Paul 
is hit with a physical problem, suddenly, and he doesn't mention what it is. Some scholars have suggested maybe it was his eyesight, maybe he was going blind, which would have been a really tough handicap for someone who's trying to write most of the New Testament. We don't know what it was, but it was something that really knocked him to his knees. Now we also know that Satan caused it, but we also know that God allowed it. And so Paul prayed for God to take this problem out of his life. Now whenever Paul prayed, he was such a man of God that most of the time God would just answer instantly, work a miracle and take the problem out of his life. But this time Paul prays, nothing happens. And he prays three times. And then God tells him this. So would you stand in honor of God's word, Woodland Church? And I wanna welcome all you guys worshiping with us at Woodland Church Atascacita. Um, I love our church in Atascacita. And Pastor Daniel and all of our team out there is just doing an amazing job. You guys are unbelievable. I want everyone here in the Woodlands to cheer for Woodland Church Atascacita right now. Let them hear you. Yeah. And Woodland Church North Point, you guys, on 249, Pastor Dustin, y'all are doing an incredible work, and we love our church in the North Point area on 249. Um, you guys in the Woodlands, cheer for them, okay? Let them know that you love them. Yeah. And you guys in the Woodlands, you guys are all right, too, at the Woodlands campus. And all of you who are worshiping through our broadcast and online ministry around the world, wherever you are, we're one church built on the Word of God. And I believe with all my heart that God has a word personally for you today from his word. And I believe that this is one of those days that God can speak to you in such a way that you'll look back five years from now, maybe 30 years from now and say, that was the day that my eyes were open and I really got it. That was the day that everything changed. I experienced a metamorphosis of my mind and everything changed and it all just clicked and my life has never been the same because we're gonna talk about a life-altering principle that God wants us to get. And so here's what God said to Paul after he'd prayed three times. My grace is enough, it's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. And then Paul went on to say, once I heard that, I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. Dear God, I thank you that you're gonna change perspectives today because so many times I look at my problems and my struggles as something that's holding me back and keeping me stuck. But Lord, you show us that our problems and our adversity is the very thing that you wanna use to propel us to the next level in life. And so Lord, I, I need, and we all need a metamorphosis of our mind. We need you to change the way we think so that we can see the truth. That we can see adversity is just opportunity in disguise. And Lord, I know that you're gonna do just an amazing work in the next few moments through your word. You're gonna change hearts and lives and minds and you're gonna change relationships. And Lord, you're gonna work miracles and I thank you for that in advance. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. And I want you to underline the last phrase in that passage, appreciating the gift. Paul said my whole perspective changed on my problems because I started seeing adversity was a gift. Your problem is not the problem, it's how you look at the problem that keeps you stuck. Paul said, I began to realize that my greatest adversity was my greatest opportunity to see God work in my life. My, my greatest adversity was my greatest opportunity to really go to the next level in my life and for God to use me in an even greater way. And so I want us to see that 
Your greatest adversity is your greatest opportunity. Your greatest barrier is the very bridge that God wants to use to take you onto your destiny. But we have to see it that way because adversity is opportunity that's been brilliantly disguised and it's hard to see it first. I want you to see that adversity is your greatest opportunity for growth. Adversity is your greatest opportunity for growth. Paul went on to say in the next verse, in 2 Corinthians 12, 10, this is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. He says it's in my adversity I experienced God's strength. I've grown stronger through my struggles. Now, I've used butterflies to try to get across this life-altering principle that we're looking at, but now I want to use something that's not quite as beautiful. A lobster. This is a huge lobster. It's really heavy, and I've taken my life into my own hands because we took the bands off of him for this service, and he, he wants sweet revenge. I can just see it in his eyes right now. Um, in fact, he broke a pencil backstage, just crushed it, so... I'm just being really brave, you know, and uh, I feel like just throwing this out to somebody right now. Yeah. Okay. Some of you students are going, yeah, let me have it right now. Now, this is uh, it's a pretty normal kind of lobster. They call this an H-E-B lobster, though that's what I call it anyway. I have no idea what kind of lobster it is. I just got it from H-E-B. But anyway, it weighs about four pounds, and it's really heavy. Dr. Abraham Tversky says that he was sitting in a dentist's office one day, waiting to see the dentist, and he picked up a magazine, and he opened up the magazine, and he came to the strange article that was called, How Do Lobsters Grow? And he said he went on to read it and found out something real important. I'm gonna put you back. You scare me. He said that lobsters are really squishy, soft animals, um, but they live in a rigid shell. And this rigid shell is confining as they grow. And when they start to grow, the shell doesn't grow. And so it gets real confining and it gets really uncomfortable. They start feeling the pressure. And when they start feeling the pressure of this rigid shell and they start feeling uncomfortable, then they know to go under a rock formation. And then they discard the rigid shell and they produce a new one. And then that new shell eventually gets too small because they grow and it gets too confining and they feel the pressure and it gets really uncomfortable and painful and so they go back under a rock formation and then they discard the confining shell and they produce a new one and this goes on over and over again in the lobster's life. And the point is this, it's the stress, the pressure, feeling uncomfortable and the pain that allows the lobster to be able to grow. And Dr. Tversky goes on to say, you know, I thought about that and thought if lobsters had doctors, they would never grow because at the first sign of feeling uncomfortable, they would go to the doctor and get a Valium or a Percocet and start feeling fine. And they would never know they needed to discard their shell and they would never grow. And for you see, it's when you're feeling pressure when you're feeling that stress, when you're feeling out of your comfort zone and you're not comfortable anymore and you're feeling the pain and the stress, that's a signal that God is getting ready to bring about great growth in your life. 
And so if you're under a lot of pressure right now, if you feel overwhelmed, if you are feeling really uncomfortable out of your comfort zone and you're feeling the pain of that pressure, then just know that's a signal that God's allowing in your life because he's getting you ready for some great growth because your greatest adversity produces your greatest growth. Adversity is an opportunity for great growth. And so if we can just see it that way, but most of the time we miss it completely. Sometimes we even think God is mad at us when we're going through pressure and problems. We miss it totally. There was a time in the Old Testament where God told Elijah to go next to the brook Cherith. And as the prophet Elijah went next to this beautiful brook, the brook Cherith, he, he found in the middle of the desert an oasis. And, and everything was perfect for a while. I mean, he had water in the desert. He had food and shelter. But then all of a sudden, after a couple of weeks, the brook dries up. And Elijah goes, God, why did you let the brook dry up? And God says, because I don't want you by the brook anymore. I'm moving you out from here. I let the brook dry up so you'd be uncomfortable so you would know that it's time for you to move out of here. It's time for you to go to a different level. It's time for you to go in a different direction to fulfill my purpose for your life. You see, the point is, when we're comfortable, we usually don't change or grow. When everything is comfortable, the comfort zone is usually the death zone. And when we're comfortable and everything's comfortable and there's no pressure and no stress, we usually don't grow or change at all but it's in the pressure, it's in the stress, it's in the difficulties that God points us and gives us a signal that, that awakens us that he's getting ready to grow us. And many times it's the adversity that redirects us because problems never leave you where they find you. Sometimes God allows a problem into your life to redirect you. And when the brook dries up, when the job dries up, when the opportunity dries up, when the situation dries up, then it redirects you you have to go in a different direction. That brook just dried up, and it was God directing you, but we need to be watching for it to see what God is up to. Now, I don't know all the reasons why God allows problems into our lives. The Bible doesn't tell us all the reasons why God allows problems and pain and difficulties and trials into our lives. We know that God doesn't cause evil, that God is a good God, but we also know there are times where God allows evil, God allows pain and tragedies and difficulties in our lives. And there's sometimes, it just doesn't make any sense at all to me. Some of those questions that I have won't be able to be answered till I get to heaven. You know, I've been with so many families at the worst tragedies and, and the most difficult, heartbreaking pain of their lives. And at those times, so many times, I have no idea why God would allow that. And, and it doesn't make any sense. And I, I don't understand it. And and we won't know until we get to heaven a lot of the reasons why God allows it, but we know he's a good God. And God in the scriptures doesn't tell us all the reasons. I think that's because it wouldn't comfort us, but he does tell us what to do, what to do in the middle of the pain, what to do so that pain can propel us to a new level so that it can grow our faith and strengthen us. He tells us to be watching to look at what God is doing and to see that adversity is our greatest opportunity to grow in our character. You see, God allows problems many times to build our character so that our character matches our calling because nothing is more pathetic than seeing someone with a great calling, but their character doesn't match their calling. 
And so God will allow us to go through difficulties. Sometimes he'll allow us to go through delays where we're in the waiting room of life and we're waiting for God to come through and it looks like God's never going to come through and we're wondering, God, why am I waiting? God, this makes no sense. God, do you even know where I'm at and what I'm going through? And God is waiting for our character to be built, for us to learn patience, for our character and our faith to become stronger and it's in the waiting room of life where our character is built. If we turn to God and we trust him in the middle of it, but many times we don't. Did you ever stop to think that maybe while you're waiting on God, it's really God waiting on you to grow up because he's got a great purpose for you, a great calling? See, adversity is always preparation for greatness. Don't ever forget that. You ought to write that down. Adversity is God preparing you for something great. But we have to cooperate with God. And in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the problem, it's not that we jump up and down for joy. I mean, the most beautiful, amazing Christ followers I've ever met are people who've gone through a lot of pain, a lot of adversity, seen a lot of difficulties and hardship. And, and you, you just look at them and you just see Jesus reflected so many times. And it's not that they jumped up and down and were so grateful for their pain and their hardships. It's that they said, God, I hate it. I don't like it. I don't get it. And they cried out to God and they cried out to God. But they kept turning to God. And you can just see Jesus in them. The Bible often refers to suffering, compares it to the refiner's fire. The expert refiner of precious metals would take the gold or the silver and put it in the refiner's fire, and then as the fire would heat up, all the things that weren't the precious metal would burn away. The silversmith would put the silver with all its impurities in the refiner's fire, and then everything that wasn't silver burns away. And I read recently a silversmith was, was asked, how do you know if it's done, if it's really ready? He said, when I can look into the silver and see my reflection. And just think about that for a moment. Sometimes God allows us to go through the fire of adversity so that all of the things that don't look like Jesus start getting burned away and we can see a reflection of Christ. That people who look at us can see more of Jesus than us. A reflection of Jesus. Christ wants us to know him and others to know him. So he wants people to be able to look at us and, and see what Christ is like. More of what Christ is like his kindness, his compassion, his strength. They want us to be able to, he wants us to be able to have people look at us and see a reflection of Christ. And sometimes that's the reason why God allows us to go through the refiner's fire. Adversity is your greatest opportunity for growth. But I want you to also see diverse, adversity is your greatest opportunity to give grace, to give grace. Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 12, 7, so I wouldn't get a big head. I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. I love that. Paul saying my adversity was a gift because it knocked the pride out of me. And if I had been filled with pride, then I wouldn't be able to be filled with God. I wouldn't have been able to experience God's power. My pride keeps me from experiencing God's power and God's grace in my life. And so this problem kept me from getting proud. And I was able to then be filled with God's power and experience God's grace. You see, it's our failures that allow us to experience God's power and to give grace to others. You know that, don't you? If you never failed in your life, if you had a string of continual successes where you succeeded at every single thing you did and you never failed, 
and you never made a mess, then you would be the most arrogant, pompous person on the face of the earth, and no one would want to be around you. It's our failures that really help us experience God's grace so that we can give grace to others. I have to say that, you know, as I've experienced anxiety attacks over the last 20 years, you know, as I have experienced anxiety attacks and depression, that God's used that in my life in such a powerful way to experience his power and grace, but also to have compassion for others and to give grace to others. Because I, I don't know that if God wouldn't have allowed that into my life, I, I just don't know that I would have really had the compassion to be the pastor God called me to be because I have to say that if people came up to me, if I'd never had that and people came up to me and they said, Pastor Kerry, I'm going through depression or, or I'm having panic attacks and gone to the doctors and, and you know, it's helping a little bit but I've still got stuff going on and it's really hard, I, I would have said the right things but I might have thought, hey man, just buck up and trust Jesus. You know, you just need to get tougher. I don't even understand that. That's what I may have thought but Instead, what I think and what I say is, I am so sorry. I know that's so painful. I know that's so difficult. I know at times it feels like God's not even there. I get it. You see, it's my failures that God uses more than the successes that he gives me. It's your failures that God uses so that we have compassion for others who are going through failure and problems and difficulties and pain. And Paul says, I thank God that that adversity was my greatest opportunity to give grace. So adversity is your greatest opportunity to grow. It's your greatest opportunity to give grace. But then the most important one, adversity is your greatest opportunity to experience God. God wants you to know him. And he knows that when he allows adversity into our lives, that adversity is his greatest opportunity to work a miracle in our lives so that we can get to know that God cares about us, that God is powerful, that God is strong. We can see his character is God is faithful. We learn so much more about God in the storm. We just don't expect to see God in the storms of life so many times, but God shows up in the storm in great ways. It's in the problem where God wants to work his purpose in your life, and the whole purpose is he just wants to get to know you and you to get to know him. He wants you to understand what he's like and have a relationship, a deep relationship with you. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7, Paul said, Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What he in fact did was push me to my knees. He's saying that Satan's trying to knock me out of the game. And some of you students, the enemy's trying to knock you out of the game with something right now. Maybe your parents just went through a divorce. Maybe you're going through depression. Maybe it's a breakup with a boyfriend or girlfriend. I'm, I'm just telling you. Satan wants to knock you out of the game. But Paul said, I want you to know, it didn't work, it backfired. Because all it did was knock me to my knees, and that's where I needed to be so I could experience God. And nothing's been the same. I'm experiencing God more than ever because, because Satan tried to knock me out of the game, but he knocked me to my knees. That's where I needed to be the whole time. And I have to say that it's my problems that push me to prayer. It's when adversity knocks me to my knees that I pray. And, and, and I would have to say, if I never had problems, I would never pray. Can I admit that to you? I don't think I would ever pray. If I didn't have problems, if everything was always perfect in my life, I don't know that I would ever pray, and I would miss out on the greatest thing there is, a relationship with my creator, the reason I was created. 
I, I believe this about you too. If you never had problems, you wouldn't be here today. I, sorry, I'm just telling you the truth. It's your problems that keep you seeking God and turning to God. You see, it's when my adversities overwhelm me and I'm overcome by them and I can't fix them or change them, that's when I turn to the overcomer and that's when everything changes. And I experienced, God wants you to know him so much, so he wants you to know your greatest adversity today is the greatest opportunity you have to see God work a miracle in your life. And even in your mess, God gets right down into your mess to work a miracle. It's your failures, it's your pain, it's your difficulties, it's that adversity that God wants to use so that you can experience him. But I want you to know that the only way we get a new perspective on our problems is to experience God, to know how much he cares about us, to know how much he loves us, to know how strong and powerful he is. So I wanna give you some homework this week. I want you to do a study of Isaiah chapter 40 because in Isaiah chapter 40, Isaiah really goes through what God is like when we're going through adversity because God shows up at those times. We get to know more about God. We get to connect with God more. We get to experience the greatness of God more and the love of God more in our pain and problems than at any other time. And so he talks all about it. And I wanna just do a little overview of it, but you need to study it the whole chapter this week. Would you every day this week read Isaiah 40? Spend 10 minutes every day reading Isaiah 40 and ask God to show you what he wants to show you from the passage and to reveal more of himself to you. First, I want you to see from Isaiah 40 that God cares about you. God really does care about you. Maybe no one else cares. Maybe no one else knows what you're going through. God knows and God cares. It says in Isaiah 40, 11, the first part of the verse, like a shepherd, he will care for his flock. He's a loving shepherd that cares about every detail of your life. Nothing's too small for God to care about it. Now, because God loves us, there are times when he won't rescue us when we're going down the wrong path because he loves us so much, he wants us to experience the pain of failure so that it changes our future. You see, he's a loving heavenly father, a loving shepherd, and so there are times that he won't rescue you when you're going down the wrong path, when you're making some bad decisions because he wants you to learn from it. He wants to direct you and he wants to correct you because he loves you. The other day, my oldest grandkids were over and oldest grandson is four and we had a candle lit and he started to reach up and touch it. I go, don't touch that, that'll burn you. Well, he should have learned, shouldn't he? No, he had to touch it. Ow, yep, that's what I told you, burned you. And I think back when I was a kid, I had to learn that. Yeah, everybody can tell you, that'll, that'll burn. But some things you only learn by being burned. Do you agree with that? I mean, some things, as human beings, it shouldn't be that way, but some things we can only learn by being burned. Have you ever been burned in a relationship? Ever been burned financially? Ever been burned by making a bad decision? And see, you have a heavenly Father who loves you so much. If you're a child of God, Christ is in your life, then he will allow you many times to experience the pain of that failure, going down the wrong path because he loves you. It's not that God hates you. It's not that you're going through the pain because God hates you, it's because he loves you. And he wants you to learn so that it changes your future. He cares that much about you. And sometimes God uses that adversity to correct us and to protect us because he is 
heavenly father, and he disciplines his kids. The Bible says that God disciplines those he loves. And, and when my kids were little, I set loving boundaries for them, and I disciplined them. Now, I didn't discipline the neighbor's kids, even though I wanted to. I didn't do that, because they're not my kids. God, God disciplines his kids. One of the surest signs that you're a child of God and that he loves you is when you take a wrong direction, you disobey, it's painful. In fact, if you're going down the wrong path and everything's working great for you and everything's successful and everything feels great, that's the worst thing that can ever happen to you. You ought to question if you're really a child of God because God disciplines his children. He loves them, he cares about them, and he protects them. And by the way, some of you need to hear this, rejection is protection. When our kids were teenagers, Chris and I would always say, rejection is protection. That guy breaks up with you, and I know it feels painful right now, but really, rejection is God's protection. He's got something better for you. If you were turned down for that job promotion, rejection is protection. If you weren't accepted into that university you wanted to be accepted in after three times of applying, rejection is protection. God wants you to be somewhere else. And so God many times will allow rejection to come into our lives because he's protecting us from going down the wrong path. I want you to see God cares about you. And then God cries with you. God cries with you. The next part of Isaiah 40, 11 says he gathers the lambs in his arms. He comforts us when we're hurting. The shortest verse in all of scripture is the most powerful, Jesus wept. He cried over the death of his friend Lazarus, even though he knew he was gonna raise him from the dead. Jesus wept because his heart breaks when our heart is breaking. We have a heavenly father who cries with his kids. That's amazing. No other world religion has a God that cries. All the other world religions have a God described like our God who's strong and powerful and perfect and holy and just, but none of them lower themselves to cry. We have a God who runs after us when we're a prodigal son and holds us in his arms and cries and welcomes us back. That's amazing. We have a God who cries when we cry, who hurts when we hurt, whose heart breaks when our heart breaks. Two and a half years ago, the first of November, we got a call from our son Josh telling us that he and his wife Kelly had just been to her 20-week checkup at the doctor for their pregnancy, and they were just expecting a routine checkup and ultrasound, and they found that our grandson, Jude Samuel, had a, a kidney defect that was not gonna, he wasn't gonna be able to live, that he'd probably be stillborn, and it was a devastating diagnosis, and, and it was crushing. And so Chris and I drove over as fast as we could to Josh and Kelly's house to be there for them. And on the way, I was thinking of all the things. God, show me something to share with them. My heart is breaking, but I need you. I've been with so many people at the deepest, darkest moments of their lives. And God, you've used me. And so, but I need you now because I'm, my heart is breaking. And I, we need you. We need to be able to bring comfort to them. So show us what to do, what to say. And when we got there, Josh and Kelly were crying, and the tears of our kids crying, the tears just started gushing down our face. And so we just held them, and they held us, and we just cried for I don't know how long. We just cried uncontrollably, and the tears flowed. I was crying because my heart was broken over our grandson, Jude Samuel, but I was crying also because our hearts were broken 
over our kids' tears. And you see, that's the way our Heavenly Father is. God cries when you cry. When he sees one of his kids crying, he cries. When he sees one of his kids fail and mess up, he gets right down in the mess and he cries with you. When God sees us go through pain that we don't understand, he gets right down and cries with us. We have a God who cries. And some of you need to know that because you feel like no one cares and no one cries and no one hurts with you. God does. He knows everything that's going on in your life. He cares about it and he cries with you. But I want you to also see that God will carry you. You see, we have a God who cares about us and cries with us, but he's also strong enough to carry us through. In Isaiah 40, 11, the next part of the verse, he says that, and he carries them close to his heart. When you're going through adversity and you can't take another step, God will pick you up and hold you in his arms and he'll carry you and get you through. And then in Isaiah 40, after he says he's a loving shepherd that will carry you close to his heart and that he cares about you, he tells you how powerful God is, that he has the arm strong enough to carry you. He says in Isaiah 40, 12, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in balance? Did you know there are 352 quintillion gallons of water in the earth's oceans? 352 with 18 zeros behind it. That is a lot of gallons of water. But this passage tells us our God is so great that he holds all the earth's oceans in the hollow of one hand. And the earth, scientists tell us, weighs 13 billion trillion tons. That's 13 with 24 zeros behind it. But this passage tells us we have a God who's so great and strong that the earth is like just some dust in a basket to him. Scientists estimate the observable universe is 30 billion light years across. But this passage tells us we have a God so great that he measures the length of the whole universe with one hand. And then he goes on to say this in Isaiah 40, 26, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls them each by name. Astronomers estimate we have over 100 billion galaxies in the observable universe. It keeps increasing because no one really knows but God. And in each of those 100 billion galaxies, there are estimated to be 100 billion stars in each of the 100 billion galaxies. That's 100 billion times 100 billion, and God created all of them, and he named every one of them. That's how great and powerful our God is. He cares about every detail. He's so powerful to create the infinite universe, and yet he names every star. And so what do you do when you're faced with adversity? Isaiah says, look up. Don't look at your problem. Look at God's power. Look up. If you don't hear anything else I say today, hear that. Look up. Look up. Tonight, look up at the night sky, and if it's clear and you see those stars and you see just a few stars, of the 100 billion times 100 billion or whatever it is, just know that God created every one of them and he named every one of them. And he knows your name. He knows what you're going through. And when you're going through pain and problems and hardships and you can't take another step, he'll pick you up in his arms and he will carry you. And he's strong enough to carry you, your burden, your failures, your pain, your heartache, your questions. He can carry you. I'm so thankful for that, that we have a God with strong arms. And so what I want us to do right now is to look up. I want us 
in these next few moments to remember, to remember how much God cares and to remember how strong God is. Because that's the real reason we get overwhelmed by our problems is because we forget how much God cares about us and we're looking down at our problems. We're looking at our pain instead of looking at God's power. And so I really wanna just challenge you right now in the next few moments to look up, to look to God and his power. And would you stand right now, and I want us to sing, because I believe with all my heart, we're gonna see in this service what we've seen in the last two services and in all of our campuses, how God is bringing healing and miracles in a powerful way as we look to him and we sing to him. And we remember just a little bit of how much God cares, and we remember just a little bit of how great God is. And we're gonna sing one of our Woodlands worship songs that the team wrote, and one of my favorites, because says, I won't forget. God, I'm not gonna forget no matter what's going on in my life right now. It may not feel good. It may be the most difficult time of my life. I may be in a season of heartache and loss, but I'm telling you, God, I know that you're gonna see me through. I won't forget how much you care about me and how great you are. And I believe with all my heart, God is gonna work miracles in minds right now, which will translate into lives and relationships a metamorphosis of the mind where you start seeing a little bit of how great God is. And, and though we can't understand it, what's going on in our lives right now, we can know that God's gonna see us through. You see, sometimes when I pray, God takes the problem out of my life. I see that a lot and it's amazing. God works a miracle and God's gonna do that for some of you. He's gonna do that for some of you today as you seek him and sing to him. But then there are other times where God doesn't change my circumstances, but he changes me in the circumstances where God doesn't take the problem out of my life, but he takes me through the problem. And that's when I experience God even more, when it's like after he takes me through the problem and I look back and go, God, how did I get through it? It's only you, you get all the credit. And I experience God working and other people look and they see and they say, wow, only God could do that. And it points others to God, it reflects God's glory. And so I want you to sing with all your heart and our, our students are gonna come up right now and think about this. Our students, come on up, students. You guys, come on up right now and help us. They're gonna help us sing. They're gonna be the choir because think about it. There are like 1,100 students at Reality Weekend this weekend, and these are just a few at one of the services at our three campuses. And so these guys are amazing, though. We've had them helping us out in the services this weekend. And so all you guys, all you students at Willand Church Atascacita and Willand Church North Point, y'all come up on stage right now. Come up on your stage and, and y'all are the choir. Come on up. And as they come up, get ready to sing with all your heart. And as you sing, think about how much God loves you and how much he cares. And think about how great he is. And I know God's gonna make himself known to you right now. Wherever you are, within the sound of my voice, I know God knows your name, he knows what you're going through, and he wants to show you that he cares, and he will carry you. Let's sing to him. I want you to hear the last part of Isaiah 40. Do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. 
but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Let's bow together. Some of you I know are going through the deepest, most difficult time of your life. A season of grief, a season of loss, a season of pain. And just know that God knows. And Lord, I just pray right now, dear Heavenly Father, that you would just bring healing, Lord, to broken hearts. Bring healing, Lord, to the broken places in our lives. And Lord, we just present to you our struggles and our hurts and our pain. We present it to you, we give it to you, Lord. We give you our failures and our sins and mistakes. And we ask you to carry us. We need you. I pray, Lord, that you would just bring healing this week in bodies, healing in relationships, healing in marriages and families. You would just bring emotional healing, relational healing, and spiritual healing most of all. That you, Lord God, would just grab hearts. I know you want everyone to know you, so I pray for everyone within the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, that they would pray this prayer silently to you right now. Dear Jesus Christ, I give up. I can't save myself, so I ask you to save me and forgive me of all my sins and come into my life and take me to heaven one day. Be the Lord of my life from now on. And then, Lord, I pray for every Christ follower that you would help us. Lord, just give us a metamorphosis, a transformation of our minds so that we could see behind the disguise and see that adversity is really opportunity. And that you would, Lord, use the barrier that we're facing right now to become the very bridge that takes us to our destiny. We need you to do that, to carry us, Lord. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you, Woodland Church. Hey, it's a super Sunday, not because of the Super Bowl, but because God is doing something super in your life. And remember, he wants you to soar on wings of eagles. He'll take your struggles and use them to strengthen you to soar this week. Next week, I'll have my friend George Springer, and we're gonna talk more about adversity and how God wants to use adversity to help you overcome. God bless you. Have a great week. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.